what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been called the most popular podcast in the history of podcasts by a number of people. They've said, you know what, if there's one podcast you can't miss, it's the pop culture podcast. I take that in, I, I don't take that to my head. I, I, ne- I never let words like that uh, stop the grind. I, I simply, I let it humble me. I let it reignite me, refuel me and come back here uh, hungrier than ever for another episode of the pop culture podcast. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well today. It's my last day as a 34-year-old man for the rest of my life. Unless something massive changes in the next few years, I'll, I'll never have an opportunity to be 34 again. But, hey, I've heard a lot about the way that science works these days, and I think, honestly, the way that uh, the way that scientific experience, experiments have been conducted over the last few years, maybe there is more of a chance that I'll have to be 34 again. But, but as the way things are... Um, last day's a 34-year-old man today. So what a uh, what a journey that's been. How, how, how exciting is that, that you and I can be here to celebrate the uh, the last episode of pop culture uh, with me as a 34-year-old man. I'm not saying this to, to try and set the foundation that this show's all about me today, but there's a rule in the Popplestone household that when it's your birthday, it's not just your birthday, it's your birthday week. So if you'd like to take that in your stride and celebrate with me, I can send you my uh, I can send you my address because because uh, there's no uh, a lot of people are funny when it comes to presents. A lot of people say, oh, you know, I don't I don't really need too much more. But uh, you know, I'm open to I'm open to being influenced the other way. If you think that there's something that my life could have that I haven't yet got, I would uh, I would really like to hear from you. But hey, let's get this thing started with a nice little. Uh, yeah, when I was walking through Nepal, 2015. Actually, walking through Nepal sounds like a strange way to put it. I was trekking. I was I was going up the mountains. I was. You know, I was having a fair old crack. We were out in the Himalayas for a month. Every time we walked into a little a little coffee shop or a little deli, or it wasn't a deli, there was nowhere selling fresh meat there. And any meat that the, I got sick with the oats, let, let's be honest. So I don't think any of the bacteria in the meat in the Nepalese mountains would have been any good for me. But what was good for me was this. Do you know this song? Surely you can't get done for copyright with a song like this. This is a it's a Tibetan. I think it's a. a what have we got here? Tibetan incarnation music. Try being angry listening to this one. I didn't really see too many angry Nepalese people. This track goes for three hours. Three hours and seven minutes. I mean, it would make the podcast easy. I think it means, like, peace and love to all living beings. Hard to get stressed when you listen to Om Mani Padme Hum. Unless you say, I say it to my wife when she gets stressed some days. Like, if she's upset or if she's angry at me, I go, sweetie. Let me give you some on money bad me home. She goes, it's it's honestly really disrespectful. I just want to have a conversation with you about what's upsetting me. I said, hey, you know what? Nothing would upset you if you just let this music just transform who you are as a human being. And uh, it, it never goes down well because I think when you use anything in a patronizing way, it never really goes down that well. But nonetheless, it's it's been a favorite song of mine for the last seven, 
nearly eight years since I, what, what is that? No, no, it's only nearly seven years since I've got back. So whenever Omani Padme comes on, which it doesn't, you have to go to YouTube to find that one because none of the, uh, none of the Australian stations really play that one because, I don't know, it's not really asked for. I'd never heard it until I got into Nepal. Anyway, excuse me. I hope I didn't just slurp. I just got a drink then, but very far. I hate it when people slurp into a microphone. So if I've done that, um, I hope you turned it down at the moment that I did. How's your week been? I hope you've all had a great week. Labor Day long weekend here in Victoria. I don't even know what Labor Day is. I mean, I think we've got to celebrate Labor because it's a very difficult process that women go through. But I didn't know. I didn't know that I had a, a whole. You know, you have a whole weekend dedicated to it. I mean, we don't have a, de- a weekend dedicated to it. He came too soon. <laughs> because that would be highly inappropriate, highly offensive. And, um, you know, I just don't think it's anything to really be celebrated. There's no there's no happily married couple that I know of that that celebrate the, the man not being able to get through a, a decent session with his, with his beautiful wife. But I think labor should be celebrated based on the fact that it's a difficult... I'm actually not, not 100% sure what they're referring to. I know, I know it's not the giving birth to a kid, but, I mean, it should be celebrated, surely, surely it looks difficult, uh, I've never seen a woman go through labour who looks like she's real, really happy with the process, I've heard them reflect on it as though it's something that they'll, they'll always look back on with, with quite fond memories, but they never look back on it and go, hey, you know, that was a, that was a really good fun, you know, it wasn't like they're going out for coffees with friends. They never explain it that way. They never explain it as though they're just going out for coffees with friends, which is unfortunate because because my part, like the part that I contributed to uh, to that labour being able to take place, was a very enjoyable time, if not short. Do you know? But it's all about quality, is is what I say. The flight of the Concorde years ago. Remember flight of the Concorde to those New Zealand? It was like a New Zealand duo. It was a comedy band or something. They had um. They had a song called Business Time. I'm trying to remember what it was that they were most well known for. I, I I can't quite remember. But they, what were we talking about? We'll have it. Ah, yeah, they had a line. They said, "Hey, but two minutes in heaven is better than one minute in heaven." And so, you know, if I ever get too excited on a on a Tuesday evening, and and, and you know, you know, two minutes is all I was able to offer. I say two minutes is better than one minute, and and I never complain. Like I very rarely complain unless the lead up to that point of the two minutes is is too long because you, you can't just jump into it, can you? You can't just jump in as a male and it's not a microwave. A female is not a microwave. They're more of an oven. They have to be they have to be warmed up slowly. But when they get there, um, I'm, I'm not sure about all of them. But when they get there, it's you know it's it's fine to put the old potato in the oven for for lack of a better expression that was quite graphic it was quite graphic in seven minutes in we've covered some ground i've gone from a beautiful tibetan song which helps me reflect on the nature of life to uh you know using an analogy of of making love as, as putting a potato in an oven which it's not really a it's not really a, an analogy that you hear used very often because they're usually referred more to as a sausage um, you could put a bun in the oven. I think that's why the expression exists. But nonetheless, hey, we're, we're here to learn together. Been a good day. Been a good weekend over here. I've had my feet up most of the day. We went down to the park, caught up with a friend that we hadn't seen for, man, we hadn't seen her for about a year and a half. And she's got two kids. She's got the weekend off this weekend. Shaney is her name. We had little Charlie boy. So we went down while she had the weekend off and uh, and spent a little bit of time. I'm not I'm not stoked about parks as a parent, to be honest. I don't I don't really love spending a whole heap of time at parks as a parent, based on the fact that uh, I, I always feel like it's a constant flex competition. You'll see 
plenty of kids who are around about the same age doing certain tasks, some kids going down slides, some kids using monkey bars, you know, some kids have their parents help, some kids falling off the swing, some kids staying on the swing. It's a, you know, it's it's literally swings and roundabouts when you take your kids down there now. But but I'm not sure, maybe it's just because I'm competitive, but there's a there's certainly a nature of, hey, should my kid be able to do what your kid's doing by himself right now without my assistance? I think the thing that I've been struggling a little bit on, mainly because I saw him fall off the side of it once, is, is letting my little fella... Uh, Charlie boy go down the slide by himself for whatever reason he gets stuck halfway and then and then face plants forward I've never seen other kids do it something in his body there's something in his body mass index that doesn't agree with the angle of the slide and he'll hit a certain dip and it's just it's they call it ass over tit in country Australia I'm not sure what you call it wherever you're listening from but ass over tit speaks for itself something gets stuck ass goes over tit metaphorically speaking he is a boy ass over chest but nonetheless, it looks painful. The other thing is, I always just—I feel like I, I constantly leave—I uh, constantly leave these parks just feeling as though other parents just have things maybe a little more sorted out than I do. I think it's because I'm a talker. I think it's because I'm a bit more of a talker. I—I I find myself speaking to a lot of parents and forgetting about the fact that I'm not just there to socialise. I'm there to look after my little boy. And the problem with that is, as, as good as the conversation often is, not always, not always, sometimes the conversations aren't enjoyable, I'm happy to escape early, but sometimes, every now and then I'll meet a champion, and uh, we'll start talking about, well, it's usually kids, I mean that's just the common reference point, and a couple of weeks ago, I was down there, we are having a chat about kids, about what we're learning, and I made the casual joke, hey, so much to learn, us dads, ha ha ha, he said, ha ha ha, isn't that true? And then I looked up, and, and just as that conversation had finished, I saw my boy walk directly behind the swing where some kid was going higher than I knew the swing went. Honestly, he looked like if he was a rocket, I wouldn't have been surprised because he was the velocity with which he was traveling up into the air was it was quite impressive. He was going at rapid speed, and I thought I, I got caught up on the uptrend of the movement of the swing, and I saw my boy behind it, and I said, oh. I'm not going to make it to him in time. Like he's either going to. This could be the end of it. He's he's 18 months old, but it's been a quality 18 months, is what I said. It's been a quality 18 months, and if that swing on the way back down hits him, it could be a you know though it was a quality 18 month with my with my great little man is is not as long as I was anticipating. And uh, I mean, it got him. It got him real good, and 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 every parent at the park just looked at me. No one's that worried about your kid. Like they. They'll pretend to be worried. They'll go over, they'll pick him up, they'll brush him off. And that's one nice thing. Every every parent gets together because they understand the value of a tiny little human life. But then the moment they realize who that kid belongs to, they'll make eyes with whoever that person was. In this case, it was me. And and every eye just suggests that you do have a lot to learn and that's no way to treat a kid. And where's his mother? Why are you here by yourself if you can't look at... Charlie's crying. He's got blood coming out of his mouth. He's got bark stuck in his nose. Uh, you know what I mean? He had some kid's toy car stuck in his ear. He looked as though he'd been hit by a car. It was, it was devastating. It was a devastating blow to the Popplestone family, devastating blow to the, the Popplestone name. And I mean, we both left that park with our, with our heads down that day. It doesn't matter because a situation like that, when your kid's just been hit by a swing and you are the sole person who is supposed to be responsible for his safety in that, but no one, no one wants to be associated with you in that moment. I went over and started to try and initiate a couple of conversations and People sort of just gathered their kids around, gathered their husbands, and, and started to go to the other side of the park. And I said, I see what's happened here. I, I see what's happened here. You, you have judged me based on the fact that my kid's just been hit by a swing. 
and maybe rightly so. So every time I go down there, I always feel like I'm down there with bad intentions because every time I see another kid on a swing, I always pray that you know someone else, a small child, will, will go behind that swing, also get hit. So I can I, I want to go over and just show grace to the family who's, whose kid's just been hit by the swing because I understand what it feels, the embarrassment. But truthfully, I wouldn't want to be associated with that bloke either. But when it's you, it's, it's easier to feel as though you're misunderstood. But when it's another person's kid, it's, uh, I mean, granted, it's still funny. Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge how funny it is when someone either falls down a step, uh, be it an old lady or a young man, and, and to see another, another young, beautiful child get hit by a swing and get up with blood coming out of his lip, though devastating and though I pray for his, his long-term recovery, in that moment, I feel as though the, the most important thing I can do as a, as a fellow human is piss myself laughing and try and hide it from his family. Because, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look great. But there's a lot of things that, as a parent, I've started to realize don't look so great. There's, I've tried to, I watched the documentary before Charlie was born. It spoke about how, you know, families with dogs, they actually have, they raise kids with a, with a stronger immune system. And, and the reason for that is their immune system's forced to fight off whatever has come off that dog's tongue. Because obviously the dog licks its own asshole. And then when it licks your, your child directly on the mouth, like that dog's asshole stuff, apart from in some cultures, is not supposed to be consumed by... But even in those cultures that do allow that behavior, I'm not sure as though it's accepted. I think it's still frowned upon, but it's just quite a, it's quite a, fringe, it's quite a fringe group of people who, you know, they, they find their thrills in different places. But, but this documentary wasn't taking that angle. This documentary was talking about how important it is that kids' immune systems get strong. So, so I try and take the opposite approach. I, I, I like to let my kid lick things he shouldn't lick within reason. Do you know what I mean? Um, if it was a scorpion... I feel as though, first of all, it's unnecessary to lick a scorpion. I'm not sure there's a heap in the Queenscliff, Point Lonsdale area. But but say, for example, if he's got his mouth on a swing or if he's playing in it, like yesterday, for example, classic example, we went down to Barwon Heads. We had the afternoon to ourselves. Charlie had had a three-hour sleep. Jesse and I said, this is fantastic. Let's take him down to Barwon Heads while he's in a good mood. We'll, uh, we'll have a swim. So Barwon Heads, it's a beautiful beach. It's a beautiful area just to go and get some coffee. Have a look, and I've got this surf shirt here, 34th birthday present for mum. Thank you very much. I'm still trying to buy clothes to, to fit the illusion that I belong in, a, in a, a fairly heavily surf culture. So this is just one step in that direction. But we went down there yesterday, and, and, and Jesse and I were sitting there having a, having a coffee. And as we were waiting, we, we just let Charlie have a little bit of a walk around. And, and all around the, the road, there's little dog bowls because it was quite warm. So if you're walking your dog in the area, your dog can stop off and, and get a little bit of a drink out of a, out of a bowl that's just sitting you know, alongside the steps, alongside the stairs. It's, it's, we're trying to do the best to keep dogs hydrated. Do you know what I mean? We can't have dogs going around looking all, um, what is it, unhydrated. We can't have them walking around just feeling as though their, their eyes are hollowed out and blacked up just because they're lacking a little, bit of, a little bit of water in their diet. So these bowls specifically they're for kids, uh, for, for, for dogs, and you never see kids going around and touching them because uh, as parents, you know, there's, there's a certain level of what's acceptable to, to let your kid do, and there's a certain few things that you probably shouldn't do it in public at least. If you're going to do it, you probably should just do it in the privacy of your own home or in a town where there's no one around. But, but anyway, we saw Charlie, and he was having a bit of a, he was having a walk around, and, and then we saw him catch eyes with this dog bowl. And I mean, there were some big dogs with some big drool using this bowl not too long before he got there. So we thought it's probably not great that he's that he's near it. So we tried to stop him, but he was he was fairly adamant 
that he wanted to that he wanted to you know put the water on his face and in his mouth and in his hair and and as good solid and and respectful parents we we you know we didn't stop that we didn't want to discipline him for that behavior instead we wanted to uh, not create a fuss and just let him put that water in his mouth and in his hair and then just see what happens and just see what happens. Like, you know what I mean? We can we can tolerate that as as parents. There's enough things that you've got to pay attention to that if, if your kid wants to drink the dog water, just let him drink it. That's essentially when parents say, when people say to me, hey, we're, we're having a kid in a few months, What is there anything that you've taken away from parenthood that might be helpful to me? I go, look, if your kid wants to drink the dog water, just let him drink it. And they go, I don't really understand the, the, the relevance of that statement. Why is it that that's what came to your mind? And, and I said, look, don't, don't get too bogged down with the nitty-gritty details of what I've just told you. Just, just live it out and see what happens. And it's amazing how many people come back to me in a few months and say, that was a despicable, that was a despicable bit of advice. I would never let my kid drink that water. And I say, hey, well, different horses, different courses. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and that's why your kid's a pussy is, is what I think. I don't say that to them, though, because that's a disrespectful way to talk about someone that you might not know very well as kids, that despite uh, the fact they've never been hit by a swing or, or drank dog water. But, but we looked up yesterday and, and there, was a, there was a couple, an older couple, maybe, I say older, they probably were maybe just hidden 50. Just, they looked good for 50, but they were, they were 50. He was, I mean, this is a controversial statement. I think in many cases, a 50-year-old man looks a bit better than a 50-year-old woman. I'm not sure what it is. There's exceptions to that rule. But this guy in this particular instance was—he was doing better than his wife. He was—he was—if he—if he played this game, he was ready for an upgrade. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying I encourage or endorse that behaviour. I certainly wouldn't do it. But I'm just saying if he was—if he was open to the idea of that being a possibility, I mean, he had options. Do you know if he got me in the wrong moment? Maybe after a couple of martinis, I, I might have been half tempted. He was—he was very handsome, actually. He actually could have been sitting with his mum, but but nonetheless, I don't know who the lady was. They were sitting there and they were looking at Charlie and they had a look of disgust on their face. And and I saw this face and, and Jesse saw this face as well. So we tried to make light of it, tried to make it a, a bit of a laugh issue. So so as we're actually waiting for a takeaway coffee, we got our takeaway coffee. These people, uh, this guy and his mum or his wife or whoever it was, was, was sitting there looking at Charlie, doing what it was he was doing. And, and then, and we said, ha ha ha, worse things can happen. Am I right? And... And you know that you've you know that you've maybe overstepped the mark of what's acceptable when both people that you're trying to make small talk with just to avoid the awkwardness opt for the awkwardness and and sort of just look away from you roll their eyes and and sort of semi shake their head and so just you know we've become used to that kind of thing now because Charlie is a bit of a barefoot bandit he likes to walk around uh, glassy areas and, and you know areas where there's plenty of places to stump his toe in bare feet because that's what's comfortable you know we're trying to raise a kid who's tough and a kid who who's who's you know he can get through a bowl of dog water without any any serious side effects he can't be like me and try and go out to the Great Barrier Reef and then I've just activated Siri I'm not sure how that happened but I think when the music decides to talk, maybe this is a message to the parents and the family who are sitting there, the old man and his wife or mother. You know what? Life is temporary. We're only here for a short amount of time. It's important that we don't allow a boy drinking out of a dog bowl to upset us, to throw off our equilibrium. Do you know what I mean? We've been working for a long time to reach a state of enlightenment. So... Um, thank you very much for that that contribution. I'm going to put that to the side there, but but this family they opted to they opted to take the awkward route, and so Jesse and I walked away. We thought, all right, let's just forget that didn't happen. So we went down to Barwon Heads. We we got his nappy off because he also likes to run around in the nude. Which I mean, that, my mum's not stoked with the fact that we allow that because because she often has this hypothetical that uh, there's a pedophile. She calls them pedophiles, which I'm not sure. 
Something with age, the, the way you pronounce words, I think as you get older, starts to vary a little bit. Have you ever noticed that? Like my nan, when she was 45, she used to say white. Like, uh, what color is snow? Snow is white. But then as you get a little bit older, there's something in you that makes you feel as though you have to do whatever you're doing with a bit more sophistication and, and all of a sudden white becomes white. Have you noticed that? And I think my mum's at that crossroads now where where certain words are starting to take on a a different pronunciation. I don't think the way, it sort of goes back to old English, which is maybe appropriate based on the fact they're getting older, but it's just not the way that you knew they said the word. So like the word pedophile is, is I think correctly, unless you're British, pronounced pedophile. I mean, I could be wrong. I always thought the word for, for vaginal was vaginal as well. My wife tried to correct me on that. And, uh, and that was an interesting conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not every day at dinner we start talking about vaginal versus vaginal, but uh, I get quite cocky with with the way I think words are pronounced. So please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm open to I'm open to uh, your correction here. Not on the word vaginal. Do you know what I mean? I just think that I think the Americans say vaginal. Maybe it's that. But uh, but she calls them pedophiles now. So he goes down there, runs around with his little bean flicking around. And she's like, oh, what about the pedophiles? Oh, she said I'm going to buy him a little pair of jocks just to just to cover up his bits, and. Uh, and and that's a I think that's a controversial statement as well because because who says a pedophile doesn't appreciate, you know, a, a moderately clothed victim. You, you don't know. It's not an it's not an area that I'm well uh, well equipped in or am planning to to develop much of my knowledge on. It's not an area I'm passionate about. But anyway, we we, we sort of didn't take that too seriously. But we thought, oh, we'll take him down there. We got there. We thought, gee, this water looks green. It was it was a rough day out for the Popplestone family upon reflection. This water looks green. I said, ah, oh, babe, what you've, what you've noticed is, can you see the angle of the sun? It's shining down. It's reflecting off some glass. And as it hits this particular piece of water, it looks as though it's green. But actually, it's probably quite clear. It's just our perception of, of this water. Do you know? It was, it was quite an enlightened statement to make. And she says, oh, okay. But it does. It just looks very green in comparison to the water a little bit further upstream. And I said, sweetie, look, yeah, you're overanalyzing it. Uh, it's the sunlight and it's the way the sun bounces off the water so we let our boy have a swim we're jumping in we're dunking him under we're throwing him in the air he's laughing we're having fun he starts to look more and more like Shrek the longer he's in there just gradually getting greener and greener then we take him for a walk up the beach as a little green Shrek baby and one lady pulls us aside and says uh, about a 50 year old lady they, they seem to be the ones who are most passionate about your child's safety it was it's always the people like it's the 50 year olds who see your kids drinking dog water and say that's probably not acceptable and this was another one she was lovely as well she came up and she goes oh, i just wanted to clarify your has your boy been swimming and i said yeah no we've taken him in there for a swim she goes look there's been a warning sent out to, to everyone in barwon heads that no one should be in this water based on the based on the algae that's in the water i said oh, i couldn't i didn't you know i thought that was just a reflection of the sun she goes, reflection of the sun she goes look at the kid look at the color of your kid's hair like he's got green in his hair his eyes have turned green. Um, keeps talking about a donkey, <laughs> and so uh, and so we just we, we we took him we took him back to the car. Do you know what I mean? He, we took him back to the car and we wiped the algae off his head. He, he had a bath when he got home and he seems fine today. Slightly sleepier, you know. He's grown four foot. <laughs> he hasn't. He's fine. He's still a little fella, but but parenthood's hard in that way. Because there's so many different expectations. Some people are germaphobes, some people are not. But but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Life is about learning is what I always say. That's the motto I wake up and every morning I open my eyes and go, life is to learn, Poppy. 
And, uh, and Jesse goes, babe, can you not say that every morning when you wake up? And I say, well, it's just an inspirational way to, to get my head in the right part of the game to, to start the day. But life is to learn. Last week, I, uh, I learned a little bit, went down. We had a, a Geelong open mic comedy night. Actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't open mic comedy. It was a booked gig, 20 bucks for the gig, 10 minutes of comedy. It was a really good gig down at the brewery here in Geelong, which is which is good for me. If you don't live in Victoria, you're not going to appreciate that That two or three times a week, I'll drive down to Melbourne, which is a 90-minute drive. Not too bad. Uh, I do get to miss out on uh, bath duties and bed duties with my boy. So it's, it's technically a little bit of an easier afternoon slash evening for me. But uh, to have a gig out in Geelong, that means it's only a 25, 30-minute drive. Geelong's a bit more wild, though, I think. Geelong's a little bit more wild than, than what the Melbourne crowds are. For, for whatever reason, maybe it's just the, uh, maybe it's just the stereotype of, of what regional Victoria is. But Geelong is it's considered maybe a little more bogan, which is, which is steep for me to say, having been born and bred in a town called Trelgan in East Gippsland, um, known for swingers parties. And petrol sniffing. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. Among other things, I, mean, I think Trelgan is an indigenous word for for little fish. There's a river that runs through the town. But but you didn't want the uh, you didn't want the history of the indigenous culture that that sort of walked through that town. You just wanted to hear a little bit more about this Geelong comedy. I'm hoping. So we went down there, and it, it really lived up to the expectation. However, I was thrown off because when we got there, there was uh, there's quite a few people drinking like a quite a fancy glass of Shiraz. I thought this is what I was anticipating at a brewery. I was I was anticipating a little more, uh, just a little bit more vulgar, vulgarity, a little bit more aggression, maybe a little bit more alcoholism, maybe a few less teeth. And then I was I was the first act up and and thought I was going to come out swinging, get the audience in the mood. But for whatever reason, it was a little bit reserved. I thought, oh, maybe it's maybe it's just me. There was a couple of couple of other comedians up not me far after me. So I thought these guys would be a good gauge and. I mean, it was a it was a bit of a tough crowd. The atmosphere in the room, for for whatever reason, it was it was slightly awkward. I heard the week before it just it, the place just lit up, and uh, yeah, so we 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 got through the night. We had a little break after three acts. There were six or seven of us, and then on about the fourth, I think it was the fourth act, a man came in in a wheelchair. He had a hole in his pants. He wasn't wearing jocks. I could see his asshole. Um, not the actual holes as much as the crack. Do you know what I mean? Unless he bent down at the right angle and the light shone, I wouldn't have seen it. But I mean, you didn't have to use too much imagination. And and they came in and they were heckling. They were heckling the comedians that were up, not with not with actual good, well thought out heckles, but just with conversation. And I often think that's the worst kind of heckle because if you go into a room and everyone's there for comedy, even though the audience wasn't really laughing a whole heap at what was taking place. They were, they were showing a, a decent level of respect to the acts that were getting up. Not that I want to be some uh, some judge of what the audience is supposed to act like, but I'm just I'm more trying to give a bit of an overview of what this actual audience was doing. And, and so that's what it was doing. They were being respectful, and this man and his wife walked in. I assume they were married. He looked out of whack. He looked out of whack. They were both a couple that I'm pretty sure they were heavily intoxicated. There was He was sweating a little bit, and it smelled like bourbon. She was sweating a little bit, and it smelled like blood. Which is, you know, that's what, maybe it wasn't actually sweat as much as just a head wound. I think she actually had a head wound, and I, I mistook it until this very moment as a uh, as sweating blood, a little bit of a Jesus vibe. I thought was going on in the New Testament as we hear about him being nailed to a cross, but but it wasn't that. It was actually uh, I think she suffered a serious head wound. Maybe she had been glassed at the previous bar that, before she got kicked out, and she walked in, and he had a walker. And and the stage the stage was at the so if you walk in the front front of the room you walk in the door 
the stage is directly to your right. So as you walk in, the whole audience is facing you. And you, you sort of, you've got to be discreet. If you're going to come in halfway through that particular show, you're going to have to be discreet about it because otherwise the whole audience's attention is going to be faced directly on you, which is fine if you're comfortable with it and you're aware of it because you can sort of just sort of sneak through a little bit and you, you can just sneak into the back of the room, which a few people did without any hiccups. But this guy had a walker. Uh, his wife was sweating blood from the head or had a serious head wound. Uh, he was an alcoholic. He had three teeth. And he came in, and they were just—they were just that loud drunk. You know that loud drunk where you walk in, and and you're like, okay, this is this is going to be hard to this is going to be hard to stop. Anyway, so he walked in. He sat down on his walker, had a little seat that folded out on it, and they started talking. She went and got a beer, and then they started talking. He looked at me. and He goes, "Mate, what? Who's this bloody guy talking to? I'm just trying to have a nice, quiet beer. Who's he up there? He's just having a. Who's he talking to?" I said, "Mate, everyone. You're at a comedy night." He goes, like, comedy night? What's supposed to be funny? This isn't bloody funny. This is distracting, mate. I'm just trying to have a quiet night with my missus. And this is in the middle of the show, so everyone's looking at me as though I just invited my friend to, to come in to enjoy some comedy. And I was trying to do that thing to, I don't know how you, you handle yourself in those conversations, but, but where you're being spoken to as though you know a person, and the only thing that you want to prove to everybody else in the room is how little you know that person and how adamant you are about not becoming friends with them. So I was, I was trying to be polite and just sort of nod and then look back at the stage and go, mate, watch the comedy. He goes, I'm not interested in comedy. I'm just, here for a, I'm just here for a quiet night. And then people started looking at both of us and going, guys, stop talking. I was like, I'm not, that, I'm not really talking. Like you, I've already been on stage. You should know that I have the comedian's best interest at heart. And the guy's like, why is everyone being so rude to us? I'm going to bloody leave. And I go, mate, honestly. Uh, and then by by this stage, the Blaze, the, the comedian, the great bloke, got up there. He's like, mate, can you shut the fuck up? And uh, it started to get a little bit awkward because I wasn't sure if he was talking to me or the bloke in the chair. And the bloke in the chair thought he was talking to me. So he started to get on the side of everyone else in the room. And I said, oh, there's been a huge misunderstanding. Holy fella, he's one of the best blokes we've ever known. You know, I'd invite him to my birthday any time of the week. I'm going to get him a birthday present this week, this, this Tuesday. He's That's the kind of guy he is. We love Tice. And then I had the vibe. I don't know. They, they didn't do it. I had the vibe. Everyone wanted to start chanting my name. Do you know? That could be narcissism. That could be a, a, you know, a fairly accurate read of the room. We'll never know. You shouldn't just assume that, that a room full of people didn't want to just start chanting my name. You don't know them. You don't know how they live in Geelong. You don't know what they were drinking. Maybe they were hallucinating, and the only way out of the hallucination was being told to yell the secret password in unison, which happened to be Tyson Popplestone. And so the guy got up, and uh, it got awkward for a while. There was a, you know, when you just get the energy zapped out of the room, like you're at a you're at a kids' football game, and everyone's just having a nice chat on the sideline, having a nice coffee early on a Sunday morning, and then all of a sudden there's one dad there who's just he's way too passionate about football and starts calling the umpire a c-word. You start yelling C-word at the umpire and everyone's like, oh, geez, Peter, we're just here to watch the under-sixes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is Auskick, mate. You know, put your knife away. What, you're really going to... That guy's volunteering in the umpire role. It's his first game. Don't worry if it was holding the ball. He goes, my son's only had 12 disposals. I go, mate, it's, you know, it's three minutes in. That's exceptional. He's actually on target for a record. <laughs> it's one of the highest possession counts we've ever seen this early in a game. It's actually his just disposals which have let him down. It's his disposals that he's inefficient with. It doesn't matter if you're Tom Mitchell and get 53 touches a game unless every one of those touches is used with, you know, a certain degree of accuracy. It doesn't really matter how many touches you get. He goes, you know, it's my boy. I'm just doing my best for my boy. I go, Pete, have a coffee, mate. Just have a coffee. Put your feet up. 
But you know what I mean? Like it just kills the atmosphere of the game because everyone's there thinking that they're, it's more of a social event. It's more of a chance just for, for people to have a little bit of a chat together and, and get to know each other as their kids go through the, uh, the world of football. And then there's just this one drunk dad or a dad whose AFL dream didn't quite come true as a junior who has to uh, adjust and project his, uh, his own desires and disappointments onto his son. Which is a which is an area I've got to be really careful at because I think I tend towards I tend towards being the Peter of a group if I'm not careful, especially if my boy hasn't got the most possessions on a ground that early in a game. <laughs> but uh, sorry to any Peters out there who are actually just passive, uh, you know, observers of, of their kids' football game. I didn't mean to I didn't mean to Karen ya. I didn't mean to chuck you in the Karen group. I do feel sorry for Karens. It's, uh, it's been a tough twelve months for Karens, I think. Because I know some lovely Karens, and then all of a sudden one angry Karen goes nuts, and and just the reputation of a of a Karen is is spread and 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 used, and it really flourished in the environment of COVID, didn't it? But anyway, that's uh, I guess that's just the nature of childhood sport. I always noticed that there was a couple, there was a kid I used to play football with. I think his name. Actually, I remember his name. His name was Justin Wood, and I have a memory, but I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's wrong. I think his dad was a little bit of a wild man. I'm going back to under twelve AFL football here. Sorry, Justin Wood, if I've if I've you know, I've named the wrong man here. But I, I had a feeling your dad was a little bit of a wild man. But there's one in every team, and it can really bring down the uh, the atmosphere in a particular room. And, and open mic comedy is no different. Thank God we don't have any Peters there yelling at their kids about football because. I was going to say, mate, you're out at a pub with your son at 9 p.m. on a Friday night. Football's the last thing you guys should be talking about. But then there's, but then there's other rooms which are, which are the complete opposite. There's just like a great vibe in the room. Did I ever? Did I tell you guys uh, about the first time, about the only time I ever met Jordan Peterson? That was a crazy experience. So speaking about the the open mic comedy scene here in Melbourne, I was. I was at a little room just off Flinders Street called The Highlander. Their last night is tomorrow, I think, having their last gig tomorrow night. And The Highlander is about a 200-metre walk from a place called Speak Easy HQ, which I found out is a little vaudeville room. Cool little space where, you know, you'll get your magicians, you'll get your comedians, you'll get your... Um, did I say musicians or, or magicians at the start? Because all of those are there. Like, it's a really diverse... You'll have burlesque dancers in the room... Anyway, I was at Highlanders, so 200 metres away from Speakeasy HQ, when one night uh, a guy came up to me and he goes, hey, uh, uh, it was during the time that Jordan Peterson was on his Australia trip, and he goes, oh, hey, do you hear Jordan Peterson's around the corner at Speakeasy HQ? So I heard this, and at the time, no idea, no reference as to what Speakeasy HQ was. I assumed it was like a book gig, a book tour, where he was just there speaking to an audience who had paid for tickets. And uh, I said, oh, dude, like, what is this? He's like, oh, it's just a, you know, it's a little performance room. So I thought, okay, there's going to be a few hundred people in the room. Um, but nonetheless, it'd be cool to see JP in the flesh. So so I left and I said, hey, do you reckon I'd be able to get in? They go, mate, anyone's allowed in. So I walked around to Speakeasy HQ. I walked upstairs and there was a couple of guys on, oh, there was one guy on stage, a couple of acts in the room. And uh, there was about seven, there was just about seven people in the audience, three of which uh, consisted of Jordan Peterson Jordan Peterson's wife, Tammy, I think is her name, and and Dave Rubin. And so I fangirled so hard in this particular point. First of all, because I thought, man, this is exactly where I'd expect to see Jordan Peterson. It's got that, it's got that dark arts kind of vibe that just as a bloke who doesn't know Jordan Peterson apart from what I've heard about him and uh, sorry, I've, I've watched of him, which is quite a lot in fairness. 
uh, it just it served as a place where I thought, yeah, of course you're here. This is a really it was a really cool vibe, and and I say that to to him as a compliment, as like, yeah, this is exactly where I'd expect Jordan Peterson to be, and it made me even more proud to be in this room. And uh, anyway, so I thought, oh no, like I'm gonna be that guy because I could feel my wife is is shattered because she was down the road. S Club Seven was just doing a tour, their last tour. They had three members of the original group, and I text her going, babe, you'll never guess who I'm in a room with. Uh, Jordan Peterson she's like I'm stuck at a bloody S Club 7 concert she was here with a best friend they had tickets booked for months so there was no escape for her anyway there was an intermission and I thought oh what am I going to do there was there was boys lining up to speak to him and uh, as I said there was probably 15 of us in the room in total and uh, I thought okay well I'm going to have to be that bloke I'm so embarrassed because I've, I've heard him talk about and he seems to speak about it with an element of respect and he he always seems as though he handles it with a whole heap of uh you know humility and and I like it, but I also understand how important just a little bit of free time is when you've got a, a reputation a reputation like he does. And but the moment got the better of me. I couldn't help it. I sort of I, I sort of shuffled over with my head down a little bit and, and just stood at the back of the group. And eventually, my time to meet him came up. And man, the guy the guy was a. I, I do not understand how anyone in the world can have a problem with him. Like I understand that you know emotions are a really powerful thing, and some of the things that he speaks about can be fairly emotional, but. But the guy, like you listen to him speaking, first of all, you go, okay, he makes a whole heap of sense. But then second of all, you meet him in person like this. He didn't know me from a bar of soap. He's trying to have a night out with Dave Rubin and his wife. And uh, and he had all the to- he had all the time in the world. He, he made eye contact. He, he goes, hey, what's your name? Uh, I spoke to him and, uh, you know, we were to- I reckon we were talking for just two or three minutes. And, and for him, it was just another conversation. For me, I was there going, oh my gosh, like my heart was pounding. I was trying to keep a... Uh, I was trying to keep the conversation like just natural, but I could hear my, fa- I could feel my face going a little bit red, and um, and then at the end of it, he goes, "Man, like, thank you so much for for coming and let me knowing, you know, how much my work has helped you. I really appreciate it." Use my name again, and then and then Dave Rubin was next to him as well. At the time, I didn't know Dave Rubin as well, but but I knew my wife loved him, so I said, "Dave, like, how you doing, man?" Uh, you know, my, my wife's a huge fan of your work, and I've heard a little bit of what you had to say, and I like a, a lot what a lot of what you're going about as well. And uh, and he was exactly the same, and it was just a, it was a cool experience just to be able to um, be in a be in a room that you would expect a bloke like Jordan Peterson to be in that dark arts kind of vibe. If you listen to his song that he's just released uh, on on his YouTube channel, I can't remember what it's called. I wish I could remember what it's called. But if you listen to that song, you go, you know what, that song could be played at, at Speakeasy HQ. And so, and so, man, the amount of times that I've, I've told that story since that particular night is, uh, you know, I've, I've got value for money based on the fact it was free entry into that place. It's, it's one story I've told to, to so many people. But, but I think that's one thing that I love because you know how you say, you're told never meet your heroes. You don't want to meet your heroes because, because the reputation that they have in your mind doesn't match up to the nature of the person in general. I left with the with the reverse experience. I I went in there thinking so highly of him and, and left thinking even more highly of him. And as a side side result, got really into what Dave Rubin had to say as well. So, man, it was a uh, it was a really cool experience. If you're in Melbourne, you haven't been to Speakeasy HQ, you got to go check it out. It's a as a really cool vibe. But anyway, J, JP's coming back to, to Melbourne later in the year, so I've, I've quietly got my fingers crossed that he's going to be back there, so I can say, hey man, remember the last time that we got up and. Um, it was, <laughs> he won't, he won't, I would never do it. I say I would never do it, but then, but then the moment comes around and the, the emotion gets the better of me. I remember I was at a Russell Brand concert back in 2017 and at the end of the night I was, I say a concert, it was a, it was a stand-up comedy gig. It wasn't a concert at all. There was no music. There was a spoken word poet, 
but that was the extent of you know even he wasn't really rhyming i don't understand poetry that doesn't rhyme uh exactly but what he had to say didn't rhyme and but it was still quite good. Then at the end of the night, he, he said to the audience, he goes, hey, thanks for being here. Why don't you come up and say hello? I go, what do you mean come up and say hello? And, and then he goes, no, I mean it. Like, come up to the front of the room and say hello. And man, I'd been, a, I'd been such a fan of Russell Brand for so long that I thought, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? Because I saw, I saw hundreds of women jumping over chairs to get to him. Most men in the room were sitting there pretty cool, pretty calm, pretty collected as though they, they had their emotions in check. And, and as I was noticing how cool the men were sitting there and how emotional the women were just jumping the chairs, I found myself jumping chairs along with the women to try and get to the stage. Women, I'm not kidding, there were women pushing, there were women grabbing shirts, there were women pulling, and I thought, oh my gosh, like I can't get involved in this. But I thought, well, how many times am I going to meet Russell Brand? So I started getting women in choker holds, I started pulling, I started nipple crippling. <laughs> no, no, there was one nipple cripple, do you know what I mean? And she was an elderly woman who wouldn't have been able to fight back. So I felt like it was a, it was a tame entrance into the argument. But she shouldn't have been climbing chairs, to be honest. Like for, for her climbing chair, she may as well have been in a mosh pit, but, but that's just the nature of the beast. You know, rest of the soul, I, I grabbed a little bit too hard, she never woke up. But that's, uh, uh, you know, that's the way it is in the real world. You've you got to be careful. My wife, uh, we went and met Rob Bell. Rob Bell's the author of a, so he's a controversial figure in the world of, ch like in church world. He wrote a, a, a book years ago called Love Wind. He used to pastor a church called Mars Hill. He wrote this book, it's called What is the Bible? Really, like, really interesting. Gives you a bit more of a modern take or a, an understanding on what's actually going down in the uh, in this book that so many of us don't understand. But in the church world, man, he, he cops some criticism for some of his views because, you know, you know when you're, I think COVID's a great example. You, you know when you go off the mainstream narrative of what's really going on and you start asking questions and all of a sudden there's, not, not everyone, but there's a certain group of people who go, oh my gosh, I can't believe you've even asked that question. Are you an anti-vaxxer? You're like, no, I'm just curious. I'm trying to find out what's going on. Like the church world is very similar. Like the church world is, and, and not a lot of people. Like there's a there's a few extremists in, in any group. Like you get a hundred people together and there's always going to be a couple of nutters, yeah? But uh, the church world there's definitely, maybe, maybe a few more than a couple of nutters. But, but Rob Bell copped it because uh, he was going against the convention of, of what it was that we had been told for so long. But he came to Melbourne as well. And, and after, his, after his gig, he, uh, or after his, I guess it was like a sermon, it was a Q&A more than anything. He said, oh, I'd love to go and meet all you guys. Make sure you come out, give me a hug. I thought, hey, that sounds like a good. That sounds like a good thing to do. So we got in the line, and I love this guy. Jesse loved this guy, and I thought, oh, okay, Tosh, just just keep it together. You don't want to embarrass yourself in front of your wife, in front of Rob uh, Rob Bell. What you got to do is is just keep it cool, play it cool, and uh, you know, and, and just see see how this plays out. And anyway, so halfway through the the line, my wife pulled me aside, and she's like, all right, babe, this is what I want to say to him. And she started practicing. She's like, all right, babe. Um, all right, I'm going to say, hey, Rob, thank you uh, so much for you know your alternative take on what it is that so many people are uptight about and don't want to hear about, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and she, she did a couple of rehearsals, but then the emotion, the emotion got the better of it because we were next in line. He said, hey, come forward. And uh, she grabbed him by the hand. She said, oh, my God, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. It sounded... You know, it was a very similar statement to what uh, what she was saying when when our second child was was conceived. Do you know what I mean? But um, <laughs> there's certain things that I say on here, and I go, okay, well, if I play that back to her, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble because she's a little bit more she's a she's a bit more conservative than me in the sense that uh, there's there's some things she likes to keep to herself. There's which is which is 
beautiful. Like, I think that's just a healthy human, isn't it? Like, there's some things that you talk about in your family that you don't talk about uh, on a public space, like a podcast, which is both being recorded visually. And is it audio sonically or is it just audioly? But you get what I'm saying. Like, this is going out to the public. And I just, I just felt her judgment in my ear or in my face as I said that. And I wish I could retract it, but unfortunately that's where it is. But I don't know, uh, uh, meeting celebrity is an interesting thing because there's a, there's a few, I often think, oh man, like if I met, if I met Joe Rogan, I think I would, I think I would fanboy. I like to imagine I would play it cool. Who else would I fanboy about? I don't know if there's that, I don't know how many people there are. Mind you, it's, it's something about just having, it's something about seeing a person that a lot of people know, a lot of people recognize, a lot of people like they're aware of the fact he's a public figure. And it's there's something that just has to acknowledge that, isn't it? I, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. But but nonetheless, meeting celebrities is a difficult thing. I'll tell you something else just before I make myself sound like too much of a celebrity junkie. Yesterday morning, this is this is sort of a humble brag without it meaning to be. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you the story and I'll let you read into it as you will. So yesterday morning, it was my turn to, to get up to my little mate, little Charlie boy. And... Uh, look after him for the morning so we got up usually what i do i get up I'll, I'll get him a banana he likes a banana for breakfast just to just to kick start the appetite he has a little bit of water i make a coffee and in the morning like he's a little bit dozy he's a little bit tired so i've got to pick him up and carry him around and and just make sure he's comfortable just while he's waking up and yesterday morning the top drawer was open i had my my loose tracksuit pants on no joke no jocks early in the morning problem is our our cupboard with our with our coffee equipment is in a cupboard which is you know, with, with a kid in your hand, it's kind of a little bit of a reach. You sort of got to reach over the top drawer, uh, which was slightly open, to, to get the, the French press for the coffee. And, and yesterday morning, I was holding Charlie. I reached up to get the French press out of the cupboard above the top drawer. But as I've leaned over the top drawer, the momentum of holding Charlie carried my body weight forward. And because my, uh, my pants that I was wearing were quite loose and I didn't have jocks, it meant my my willy was actually uh, between the the drawer and like the solid wooden block where the drawer slams into when it closes. So yesterday morning, I got my I got my knob completely stuck in the top drawer. This is not a made up story. I'm not just trying to make you laugh. This is a this is an event that took place in the Popplestone household yesterday morning, and and it's shut so tightly that it wasn't like you could just open the drawer and it sprang tightly because, so the, the the top of the bench was here, the top of the drawer was there. So to get in and shut, it had to be squeezed between the two and sort of just dangled down into the knife drawer, just here like that. So that's what's going on. So I, I realized what had happened. I tried not to yelp. Um, like it was so hard not to laugh as well because I just couldn't believe my knob had been stuck in the top drawer. And then I had to sort of yank it because, you know, you know if you put a... Like if there's a door that bangs and you put a cloth between it, it sort of closes that gap between the door frame and the actual door, so it stops it jiggling. Well, well, my pecker had served as that thing to stop the drawer wiggling, so that drawer was just locked in tight. So I had to give it a real good, a real good pull to get me out. So I tell you that only because uh, as I moved a moment ago, I still felt a, a little bit of tenderness, a little bit of soreness, uh, just around the bruising, and. Uh, <laughs> What? Like, how's the how's the luck? Because I often uh, like you, you think of those stories, or you see in a movie. What was the Adam Sandler movie? I think it was, or Ben Stiller, where he's going to the toilet and he goes to do up the zip of his pants, and he zips right over his his old fella, and you go, oh man, like imagine if that ever happened. And so there we were. Yeah, 
it, it's one area you've got to be careful of. I'm not sure if I, I told you guys earlier in this podcast, not today, I mean months ago, but uh, but my, my uncle was an ambulance officer and he went to a BMX accident one day where a guy's actual nutsack had been torn open. And and you could just see his, you could just see his little balls like actually just sitting there. So the skin had all peeled around the balls, and, and and these testes were just there doing not actually doing this, but you know what I mean. Like they were just if he stood up and wiggled, you could see them wiggle. Is what I'm trying to say. And he took a photo because he was like, all right, I'm going to have to show this to the nurse when we get to the hospital. But then later in the night, he he sent it to another ambulance officer just to go, mate, like you wouldn't believe what happened today. Look at this for an accident. And then I'm not kidding. I had randomly caught up with a with a mate about about a month and a half later, and I was telling him this story. And he goes, dude, that's so crazy because I got a photo sent to me completely randomly a couple of days ago, which sounds as though it's the photo that you're talking about. Anyway, he showed me the photo, this photo that my uncle had taken to send to another ambulance officer just to go, hey, mate, how crazy is this? And it, it had gone viral. And then there was about 12, you know, I don't know how many degrees of separation, but it was just funny to be sitting in a cafe with a mate who knew nothing about the fact my uncle took the photo and him holding up a person's nuts, just jiggling around, not literally, but if he stood up and wiggled, jiggling around, uh, just just doing his thing. Hmm. Should we have a look at what's trending on Twitter this week? I thought this is something I want to do because uh, Twitter's a dangerous place. I don't know. Do you guys spend much time on it? I've I've had a bit of a, a look over the last couple of weeks, and I'm I'm honestly amazed at the things that trend. So I thought, hey, let's let's go through this together. I'm not going to go through it in in any great detail. Let me just find one that uh. Let me just find one that that sounds interesting. All right. Okay. What's happening? War in Ukraine. Live attacks on Ukrainian cities continue as Russian rockets hit a base 10k from Polish border. I'm out of my depth there, to be honest. A lot of people are talking about this at the moment. I'm glad to talk about it just because of the fact that um, it's something something other than than COVID. Do you know what I mean? But it's it's not something I want to get into. Latest updates on flooding in Queensland, New South Wales. Uh, nah. Here we go. Trending in Australia. Day, JK doesn't speak for me. What's that? J.K. Rowling. Here we go. Emma Watson appears to shade J.K. Rowling while presenting. Hollywood stars are interesting, aren't they? I don't, I don't really want to get into this either. Uh, you don't speak for me and literally all of my LGBTQIK uh, friends and family give out last vile tweets. Okay, J.K. doesn't speak for me. Not interested in that either. There's, no, there's never really much positive trending on, on Twitter. I'm going to be honest. That I stand with J.K. Rowling. How to verify information involving war in Ukraine, according to fact checkers and experts. Mm, not interested in that. So, oh, here we go. Maths AU. So Married at First Sight. Married at First Sight is something I'm ashamed to admit that I like. I like to talk about how, you know, how much time and effort I spend on just developing my mind, my body, my spirit. You know what I mean? And things like maths, which is just like a real-life gossip magazine, just has no place in my life. But, but it's so good. Oh my gosh! I'm not. If you're a man out there who who feels who feels ashamed to admit in public that you enjoy this TV show, hey, just take comfort in the fact that I don't usually speak about it openly. But but I hear you. I hear you. You know what I mean, ladies. I get it. Between you and I, I get it. Uh, last night there was a commitment ceremony. I can't remember her name, but it was like the Latino chick. She she cheated on her husband. It was it was riveting TV. What if we? Producers have been forced to intervene on maths as the show went awry with a shock moment and ended in mass boycott. It wasn't really a mass boycott if you haven't seen it. It was, um, I mean, like seven of the seven of the other people who were on the show got up and left. Uh, I felt it still felt a little bit producey. 
I was hoping there was going to be more to talk to you about from the uh, the Twitter feed. I thought um, I thought there would have been a couple of bangers, but anyway, I mean that wasn't the most riveting first edition of of what's going on in the world of Twitter right now. But it was a it was a start. We'll see what happens next week. You and I just once a week we'll touch base. We'll see what's going on. So this week it was maths. Maths was a highlight sort of. Uh, J.K. Rowling's causing dramas. Is she though? You know what I mean. Like Harry Potter was famous, but it wasn't that good a book. And and the war in Ukraine. I'm out of my depth. I, I don't know. I can't comment. I'm just. Uh, it's one of those things that like six months ago I never heard anyone. Three a month ago I never heard anyone speak about the tension between uh, Russia and the Ukraine. And now all of a sudden there's so many people in my life who know all about it. They've got the Ukrainian flag next to their Twitter handle. Their their vaccination things being deleted. Some people have really committed to the uh, to the whole to the whole extreme. They've got the they've got the three vaccination needles. They've got the flu needle. They've got the mask. Now they've got the Ukrainian flag. I reckon in I reckon by twenty twenty five they're they're going to need to expand the room for your name on Twitter because there's a few people making some uh, making some big calls. What else have we got here? Um, immune system pothole front yard. How long to give it? That's one thing I wanted to find out. I wanted to find out what the average time that you give a book before you realize it or before you decide it's a rubbish book. Because I, um, man, all right, this starts on a positive note. Just the other day, I, I finished a book by Stephen King, uh, the audio book. I always feel like I have to justify that because my brother-in-law says, you didn't finish your book, you listened to the audio book. Okay, dickhead, I, I heard the story. Someone read it to me, which is far more enjoyable. Um, it was called Later. And from the moment the book started, I was I was into it. I loved it. I, I, I couldn't get enough of it. I thought, hey, this is fantastic. But then... um. But then I thought, okay, well, everyone of Stephen King's book's going to be like this for me. And then there was a, I, I tried, what was it called? I think I just gave it back yesterday. I called Audible and said, hey, guys, sorry to do this to you. Like, I hope you're not having too busy a day because there's um there's something I'm going to have to get you to do. It's, oh, I can't remember what it was called. But I got about, I got about half a chapter into it. And I was like, all right, this is not for me. This is. Do you have a Do you have a little bit of a gauge? Do you have a bit of a rule as to how long you got to give yourself before you realise it's a rubbish book? I reckon a chapter should be heaps. I reckon a chapter should be heaps. I don't know. I know you can't talk back to me right now, but if you could, if you could shoot me a message and let me know, because um, it it'll make me feel a whole lot better. Oi, one of the things, one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about before we uh, before we wrap this bad boy up. I know we've nearly been going an hour. Uh, is so. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, I told you about how many people that unfollowed me on Instagram based on the fact I'd been pretty vocal about a lot of my thoughts on a whole heap of stuff, which I can't be bothered going into right now, but had heaps to do with COVID. Anyway, uh, like about 80 people, I just I started paying attention to who unfollowed me and I thought, okay, it's interesting because usually I don't take that stuff too personally or I didn't, I didn't think I did. But then all of a sudden I started to see a few people who I actually liked that were gave me the old flick and I was like, oh, gee, this is painful. This is <laughs> – one of them I stumbled across because, uh, um, well, in fairness, I actually didn't realize I didn't follow him. But then I got a message. I, I got a message in response to something I posted. And it went into that request folder. Like, you know, when you don't follow someone and their messages don't go straight to your inbox, it goes to the request. Well, it went in there. And I thought, oh, hang on a second. What's going on there? But then this morning I told you I caught up with Shaney. And uh, at the park with little Charlie boy where he got hit by a swing, do you know what I mean? Bark in his ear. It wasn't today, but it was the same location. Still brings back sort of pretty heavy memories. And uh, and she goes, oh, I, I just got off the phone to Kate. Who, so so for, for reference, Kate is an absolute superstar. Kate is a legend. She's she's a stunner. She's just an all-round great human. I, I, you know, if I had any single mates, I'd be happy to hook them up with, with old Katie. 
Anyway, I must have gone through like a bit of an Instagram cleanse the other day, and it's not her actual name. So I think her Instagram name is, actually, I won't give it out just so she doesn't cop any cop any heat from anyone who's on this podcast, but I knew her Instagram name, but I must have been scrolling through really quick one day, just unfollow, don't know that name, don't know that name, bam, 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 bam. Anyway, so Shaney was on the phone to her this morning and said, hey, I'm just about to go catch up with Tyson and Jess, and she goes, oh, I used to love those guys, but they unfollowed me on Instagram. I don't know what I've done, and I totally get it. Like, I get that headspace of, like, because I start to question it now. People people unfollow, and you go, oh, gee, oh, I've really upset them. I can't believe how much I've upset them. But the problem was I, I got a, 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 you know, I got a flip side view. Is that what it's called? I got a flip side view where you realize, no, I love this chick. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing she's done to upset me. I must have just been in the zone one day. And unfollowed, whereas Jessie has a rule, she's like, all right, if I haven't spoke to the person in six months, she uses Instagram more as an actual social connection kind of thing. So she she had unfollowed, I think, because of the fact that these guys just hadn't spoken. But she loves her as well. And then how do you guys go with the old with the Instagram unfollows? Because it can be a it can be a sensitive topic. Some people even have an app. You can get this app. My sister had it, that's how I know. You can get this app which is um I think it tells you who unfollows you. I, I go into the more the nitty gritty details. I find out for myself. I go and do I go and do the digging, thinking, oh, this person I reckon would disagree with me. Maybe they've unfollowed me. But I put my I put a bar on that now because uh, anyway, what what I'm trying to say is, isn't it amazing how sensitive we can get to that? And and it wasn't until today that I realised, oh man, like I don't think everyone's intentions are that bad because I actually still love this chick. Do you know what I mean? And I bloody uh. A bloody given the wrong impression. Poor, poor Katie. What a, what a superstar. Mm. Anyway, oi, don't you reckon? This is something I was thinking the other day. I reckon being called an anti-vaxer, based on the fact you're hesitant to have this particular vaccine, is like being called a homophobe because you didn't let a gay man have sex with you. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a, there's got to be a few steps in between. You can't just be a homophobe because I've got plenty of gay friends, but none of them. Do I want to have sex with me? Like even even the really good looking ones, I go. You know what? I just don't think it's my thing. I um. You know what I mean? It's a it's a very vulnerable position. I've heard people talk about pegging the last few months. I'm not even open to that. Hmm. It's just something I was thinking about. Imagine if to imagine if to treat like homophobia in in society, we all had to get double jabbed. Do you know? Double jab, yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to say. It's something I'm flirting with. Like the Premier of your state comes onto TV and goes, look, homophobia is a huge issue in our state. We don't want any homophobia in the workforce. So to prove that you're not a homophobe, you need to get double jabbed by a gay man. You go, oh, do I really have to do this? I don't want to do it. People like my dad are like, nah, I'm not doing it no matter what. Then they go, all right, well, if you don't do it, you can't go to work. We've mandated it now. They go, all right, well, I'll get double jabbed, but that's it. Then three months later, he comes on. He goes, "All right, guys, sorry, it's time for your booster shot. <laughs> this is this is gonna be a this is gonna be a a gay sex economy. If you haven't been double jabbed by a by a beautiful gay man, you can't participate. I don't know. I feel like that opens up the conversation a little bit more because I think there's some people who are a little more anti-vax, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that was just something I was that was something I was flirting with. Now, this is the this is the book of the week." Before we wrap it up, The Writer's Journey. I say Book of the Week. It's that fat. It's going to take me forever to read. But uh talks all about the hero's journey. It talks about the way that stories are structured. It talks about 
Um, I don't know. I'm just fascinated about what makes a good story good. So if you if you want a good book, I'm I'm not going to restart the uh, the timer because this camera only goes for 30 minutes. So I'm going to turn it off in a minute. This is how I'm going to finish the podcast. The writer's journey is the book of the week, ladies and gentlemen. This is the song that we're going to finish the week on. If we get it, there we go. Hey, God bless. See you all next week. Mm-hmm.